right, ladies and gentlemen, as you've seen earlier today, the tweet went out, and my first guest of the week is friend of the show, John Seitman. He's here right in Halifax. He's now spinning the ones and twos for the Halifax Mooseheads, and of course, he is around the rinks checking out the local hockey. John, how is the day treating you, my friend? Uh, day treating me good there, James. Just uh, uh, keeping busy there, of course. Uh, long bowl season coming down to the end, and of course, now preparing for... Uh, uh, doing some announcing and music there. Two games this week there with the Auburn Eagles on Tuesday, and then, of course, Halifax Mooseheads hitting the ice once again against the Moncton Wildcats coming up on Thursday. Yeah, I can't wait to uh, to get a little bit more Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And, I mean, you look around Twitter and you look around everywhere, everybody's having the FOMO right now, the fear of missing out on hockey because we got it and others don't. And it's nice to to be able to showcase the local talent too, like such as yourself or Kevin Northup or anyone who's broadcasting you know, during those games. It's great to shine a light on all of you because you know sometimes you know with the bigger promotions and things like that, Things get lost in the shuffle, but right now the microscope and the spotlight is re- really on hockey out here, and it doesn't matter if it's the Mooseheads or the Moncton Wildcats, the Charlottetown Islanders. Everybody's clamoring to watch and see, and you look at all the clipped highlights, there's a lot of uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey games or even uh, you know Junior A, Junior B games out here too, so that's uh, starting to be the best part of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So for you, I mean, obviously we talked just before we jumped on, but let everybody know how did it come to fruition that you're spinning the ones and twos for the Halifax Mooseheads? Yeah, so that was actually a really interesting story, of course. Uh, so uh, back early September, uh, I was uh, just about to uh, do some uh, some stuff for from on bowls, of course, coming up toward the late part of the season, and then got an email from. Uh, uh, Chris Dwyer, who he's the game op- ops director and everything, uh, game day manager for the Mooseheads, uh, and I uh, decided he sent me a message asking if I wanted to audition for uh, to be their DJ for the season. Uh, so, uh, of course, being the the fact that I've always been a fan of the Mooseheads, I was like, absolutely, why wouldn't I want to, to do that? Uh, so, got to go go in. Uh, I did a, a audition. I, I, back on September 5th, it was the Mooseheads preseason game at the RBC Center against the St. John Sea Dogs, which was an interesting experience, being that it was my 400th game of elite-level hockey, working the announcing and music type stuff, uh, and fortunate, fortunate enough to come out a 3-1 win in that, and then they offered me the, the position, ended up working a 5-4 overtime at the RBC Center against Charlottetown, and then uh, the rest is history. Got into Scotiabank Center uh, back at the start of uh, this month, and uh, we've been rocking out for 1,900 or so people there uh, for four home games and hopefully 26 more there as long as COVID keeps at bay. Well, you look at the way the uh, you know the Scotiabank Center is set up, and I mean, obviously you can have, I think, I think it's 2,000 fans, for you, I mean, obviously it's not as raucous as a full house, but spinning the ones and twos for all the fans that are there and getting everybody excited and pumped up, do you still feel the atmosphere? Can you still hear the fans? Does the building still get to a certain level of rocking? Oh, 100%. Honestly, like, even though it, it may seem like it's a lot smaller because of having only about 1,900 fans in the building, like, just honestly, social distancing actually kind of helped us out because... I, I, since they had to space them uh, pretty evenly around the ring, 
it, the sound and everything is pretty consistent the whole way around. And, and like, of course, they always have all the like noisemakers and everything that they put on the seats for the fans pregame, and that that's really helped keep that atmosphere up and everything. And I, 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 we keep the volume nice and loud for for the fans in Moose Country. And they, they, fortunately, ones who are coming out to see these games in the middle of a global pandemic, they are very eager hockey fans. So fortunately, they're very into the action and giving us a, quite an atmosphere for the players on the ice. And, of course, it's been showing there in the first four games. No, it's great. I mean, and the thing is, around here, everybody's clamoring to see, you know, something live. And especially here on the East Coast, where we don't have the big ticket NHL games or MLB, you name it. So when we get the Wanderers or the Thunderbirds or the Mooseheads going, you know, everybody wants to go. And it's the buzz of the town. I love it. I absolutely love it. And, you know, it's great to see great people rewarded into spots. And I talked just a second about Kevin Northup obviously calling the game play-by-play. Now you're spinning the ones and twos. You know, it's it's great to see people get put in good positions. Um, I'm wondering for you, uh, you look at the Halifax organization and everything that goes on with it, um, you spinning the disc and getting the music and getting everybody pumped up, is that something you want to continue to do long-term, or is there higher aspirations for Mr. John Seitman? I, I think that, there, I, I, like anything, when it comes to, to working uh, uh, these types of, of things in sports, there's always high aspirations there. Of course, uh, I've uh, before, of course, during the move, opportunity might knock I mean I look at Dan Robertson you know did the East Link and then is now with the Montreal Canadiens doing play-by-play so the road to the NHL from the East Coast is is well paved and uh, you know I could definitely see you moving up and like even Kevin and everybody like I mean you cut your teeth here and then you move on up but I mean I'm super proud and it's awesome to see people that we talk to on offside or you know even just in the community obviously all the hard work you put and get rewarded um, but I want to talk to you about the on-ice product as well. You look at the Halifax Mooseheads, big win on the weekend, obviously coming off the heels of the loss the night before. Um, what do you expect yourself? I asked Kevin the same question, but what do you expect from the Mooseheads this season? And who's a guy that you got an eye on? I, I, I'm expecting there, honestly, of course, I, I, I like Kevin and said there, uh, I listened to, to the interview that you had with him, and it, it, I, I do agree, though, that it's going to be a little bit of growing pains. Of course, it's a very—they it, are a very young team. They're—they're they're still in that little bit of a rebuilding stage. But there is a few really talented stars in there. Like you look at, at a guy like Marcus Vidacek, uh, who has been really talented already. You have a, a guy like Zachary Larue coming over from the Moncton Wildcats, and he is really a talented star. And then you see somebody like, even though he has. He hasn't gotten here yet. Uh, I've heard some pretty exciting things about uh, Attilio Biasca, who uh, is one of their uh, import products, who is currently 
uh, playing over in Switzerland right now while they wait to see whether they will even allow them into the country yet. And uh, I, there's a lot of uh, good optimistic hope there for uh, the Mooseheads. And, uh, of course, you also, uh, I can't neglect to mention, of course, Justin Barron, uh, uh, the new member of the Colorado Avalanche there, uh, who uh, hopefully him coming back uh, there this past, past weekend should be a good mo- boost for the Moose uh, as they look for some big games coming up there because uh, I believe he has some games there against like Charlottetown and of course the one coming up against Moncton. Uh, both of them very big games for the Moose in this early part of the season at home. Well, I mean, this season here, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen with the Q teams. And like me and Kevin talked about, it might just be an all-maritime division kind of deal, you know, going forward. Who knows? Um, so every game and every point is crucial for the Mooseheads. But, I mean, you look at the young players who are trying to meld into the team and they want to, you know, bring some guys along. I mean, I look at this, and I said to Kevin, I'll say it to you, it reminds me a lot of those Maple Leafs when all of them were just young and you just were excited to get whatever you got out of them. You know, oh, yeah, what if it, you know whether it be Bobby Orr, you know, and it's funny to say that name that way, but that's the way he wants it done. But when whether you get him along, you know, and, and developing, or you know, all these young guys, or Justin Barron, you know, bring him along as well because he's been off with the injury, you know, comes back, and now he's he's expected to be the leader. Obviously drafted high by the Colorado Avalanche, and you know, all these different things, right? I mean, this team here, I look at it within a pandemic year when you don't know what's going to happen with the league. I would just want these guys to flourish learn, you know, be pros and, and understand the ins and outs of the game and get the opportunity to get ice time where not a lot of players are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those situations where, being that we're in a, a very interesting situation with the Maritime Division, having a, a six really, really strong teams, like really uh, the the spot in the queue where you see a little bit of difference is more in the, in the Quebec teams. Uh, here you see so many high, high-caliber teams and players that, that have really developed well throughout the, their time in the sport, it, it makes for some pretty tough competition, and if they're able to really just take positives out of every game there as you go throughout this shorter season than they're used to, then you can very much see an optimistic future for the Halifax Mooseheads over the next while. Well, let's talk about the, the future of the Q League. Obviously, we're talking about the future of the Mooseheads here. But you look at the Q League, you look at the Maritime Division going and, and pretty much going strong. Moncton, you know, had their issues there with COVID for a moment. But, you know, they're seemingly able to play and practice and do the things they need to do now. Um, for you, John, what do you think? What do you foresee? Do you see the Quebec teams coming back on a shortened schedule? And then, you know, however it shakes out on their side of things, you know, and then playoffs and so forth. Because I don't see the Atlantic bubble being opened, you know, if it isn't, you know, to allow the Quebec teams in to play us. Uh, uh, well, th- that has been a very interesting thing that I've been thinking through there because uh, to me, I don't see a, a, a situation right right now just yet where uh, it's going to be a full 60-game schedule there on the Quebec side just simply because, because uh, of the fluctuations of the, the red zones and everything there. And, of course, they're trying to deal with the regulations of getting them back on the ice. So I see a potential situation where they may have to come down to like some win percentage to decide some of that side of it. As for playoffs, that's going to be a tough one simply because, of course, they don't know 
what the situation will be for the Atlantic, Atlantic bubble situation come uh, really April. Uh, oh, they're planning on, I believe they're making a decision on, on the, how the playoffs are going to work come December. Uh, a, my a optimistic hope would be the, the fact that, that we could do uh, a, a playoff in some normal fashion. Uh, if, if not, even as simply as maybe even you could see a, a, a smaller playoff, but ha- having it uh, in, in a almost a semi-bubble type concept, a, a, maybe even here in Halifax with fans. You never know. There could be a situation where it, it, the, the, having fans in the building and that revenue coming, coming in could be very beneficial for how they do things, but again, but then again, you never know. It's a long way off from from that. There, I believe there. It's only, I guess, 50 or so games left before we have to figure that out. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I look at this and I get a little bit nervous, you know, with that fact. And I mean, I understand that you could probably bring a Quebec team in if you set it up and say, okay, we're going to wait two weeks for the playoffs to start, and then have them quarantine and play here. But I don't see crossing back and forth to play in different venues and stuff like that. I would say that they would probably have to play almost a tournament style, you know, with the Quebec teams coming over here and saying, okay, we're going to do this in two weeks and we're going to crank out whatever it needs to be. So figure it out, um, get your dates together, and then, you know, other, everything out of the Scotiabank Center, if it's the Mooseheads, or, you know, find a central location and just get it done quickly. Now, like I said uh, before, you, you can't expect those Quebec teams to come here and play a full season or to play all those games because there's so many different things with school and work and families. You can't expect that out of young men. But, you know, to be able to do a tournament style to finish up the season, you know, maybe the the finals of the playoffs or whatever, however they work it, I can see that being done conceivably, but not anything outside of that. But, I mean, even in that general sense, I mean, would the Atlantic or the Maritime Division teams – have more of an advantage over the Quebec teams who didn't have a bigger season. Who knows, right? I mean, it's a crapshoot from there. Oh, yes. It, it's definitely a little bit tricky either way, especially when you're probably looking at a situation where the Quebec teams are not going to be playing the, the same level of ga- games there as the ones here in the Maritime Division. But honestly, like you're seeing some of these situations where I, I know it's, a, a, a crazy situation being that it's in, in Texas, but you're looking at like a situation like the MLB right now, uh, bringing some some fans back in for the uh, the league championship series and the World Series there in baseball, and so so far it, it's been relatively uh, okay from from what I've heard of reports out of Arlington, but it, it, to see how we could potentially uh, transfer that type of concept into the playoffs and ha- having maybe a centralized situation where may- maybe they even have like a, a Quebec playoff and a Maritime playoff and then ha- have it- them meet up in a central location, whether it be Ma- Scotiabank Center, whether it could-, could be maybe even the Avenir Center in Moncton, you never know. It, it-, it- is definitely something that, that it- uh, the ones a little bit ha- uh, higher up than my pay grade will definitely be <laughs> a, a very eager to, to figure out there. And uh, uh, over the next few months, we'll see it uh, uh, all uh, sussed out so that we can uh, figure out who will be our, our President's Cup champion. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I honestly think it'll be coming out of the Atlantic, uh, the Atlantic Division. I, I don't see much coming from, or the Maritime Division. I keep calling it the Atlantic Division because the Atlantic bubble's stuck in my head. Um, you know, I don't see the Quebec teams, unfortunately, coming back um, and being able to compete. I mean, there's just too much going on there. And it, it's sad because you want the league to thrive. You want these players to get experience. But, I mean, it's not its not going to happen safely. And if you can't do things safely, I'm not interested in it happening. Um, you know, and that being said, if their team is rewarded, you know, out of the, uh, the Maritime Division, that's all fine and great. I mean, it's not going to hurt the players that are playing. I look at the whole scope of things, though, and, I'm, and then... I talked to Mark Seidel, which is a guy who's big on the OHL and the WHL, and he all but guaranteed me the fact that they, they have full plans to go ahead with the Memorial Cup of some kind next year. So I don't know how you're going to crack that in if you can't even get those CH or the uh, WHL and the uh, OHL teams on the ice. Yeah, it's definitely a, a tough situation over there. Of course, the, the OHL uh, dealing with the, the situation of having to, to – figure out how, how the situation around their rules will work. Of course, the, the Ontario government talking about the, the issues with, with uh, the contact in the game right now during COVID. And, of course, I, I saw there the WHL a little bit more. Uh, it looks like it's coming out of there now. It looks like they're going to be pretty similar in concept to uh, the type of schedule that we're seeing here in the queue there with the, like a divisional concept uh, where it's a little bit regionalized and everything. And, and uh, that looks like it's going to be coming back, I believe, early January was uh, what uh, Commissioner Robinson was looking at there. So it, it, it's definitely going to be tough. But I, I, I think uh, you see teams here in the queue, uh, we've been working through everything. We've, we've honestly been a leader when it comes to hockey across Canada because the teams in the, the OHL and in the WHL are really seeing what has been working here in the queue and adapting their plans so that when they return, they'll be even even more ready for once their teams hit the ice. Yeah, well, I mean, it's good to be the leader, right? I mean, at the same time, our case, our case count is low. So, I mean, the things that we prepare for here – we do it with a little bit more ease mind. And you mean look at you, Ontario. What was it? A thousand eighty-two cases yesterday in Ontario alone for COVID. I know they're a bigger province, higher population, but you know you look at those numbers and you start thinking about playing hockey, and it's like, ah, uh, no, it's probably the bottom of the totem pole of things that you need to get over. But you're right. Out here, we we figured a way to do it. We figured out how to do it safely. I like how the Scotiabank Center is set up. I can't speak to other venues. I haven't been in them, <clears throat> other than Cole Harbor Place, um, and you know. The way they have that set up, you're allowed to have a certain amount of fans, and then whoever's up in the media gondola is that's it, right? That's all you're allowed in the building. And I look at the rules they have for the coaches on the bench and the you know the trainers in the stands, and if they come off or they go here or there, you know it breaks the bubble and both player and coach are gone. So it's weird, but I mean it's the times we're in. If you want to be on the ice, oh absolutely, and it's one of those situations where where. Uh, we're having to adapt everything of uh, how we operate these, these games there. Like, of course, uh, this past week I uh, was doing the uh, Auburn Eagles home, uh, home opener there against Dartmouth Spartans at Cole Harbor Place. And it, uh, it's a, a situation where, where we're having to, of course, deal with the, the distancing and the masks and, uh, and, and not being able to move around the, 
the rink in different ways than what we're used to. It, 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 uh, but we're just, it, I think it's a situation where uh, we're simply grateful to even be back in the rinks, period. Because there are some uh, places there where uh, we can't, uh, they could not say there that, that they could be uh, as safe as we are to be able to, to have, be back in the rinks, to have fan, fans to even play for. And it, it, it's something that, that we can hopefully t- take a little bit of pride in and hopefully be able to, to even get even stronger there as the, the season goes on. No, definitely. Well, I want to ask you another question here. I mean, you look at the uh, the queue and everything that's success there, and now you're looking at the NHL trying to figure its way back. And I want to ask you the question, John. Do you see the NHL coming back in January, or do you see that date being pushed back further? I For that one, that is a very tough question because I, 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 you're dealing with a situation where I, in our ranks I, you have a capacity that is, a, roughly about half the size of a national ho- hockey league arena, a, and a, the amount of st- staffing that it takes to, to run those, those games, uh, it's a lot more than, than what you'd see here in the queue. Uh, will it, it potentially start in January? I, I think it's yet to be seen. Uh, I think it, 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 the possibility that it, seeing these things there that, that Commissioner Batman was potentially been trying to look at doing the full season. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think you're going to be seeing potentially uh, uh, similar to what we've seen during the lockout years there where uh, they were like uh, between 40 and and 55 games, I think it was, uh, during those years, Uh, and potentially having a more regionalized concept. Uh, Like I know I think I'd seen uh, the Vegas Golden Knights owner kind of – that there could be a possibility of an all-Canadian division, and that that it could be something that I know Sportsnet would be probably eager like crazy again to have have Leafs and Habs all the time. And, but it, 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 it's going to take a lot of working out. It, it, will it start in January? I think it all depends on uh, the regulations in each of the individual jurisdictions as to if they can get fans in the building, and if so, how much. Because in the end, it all comes down to, to money because these are professional teams. They, they need the gate revenue to, re- to really operate their whole operation. And it, without fans in the building, it makes it very, very challenging. No, it does make it challenging. But I think a lot of owners this year, John, have, for the NHL anyways, have basically ripped this year off and said, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be. And, you know, they read it off as a loss, and they're preparing for, you know, 21-22, just trying to figure out a way to get this season in to get everything kind of back to normal. Because if you look at the NHL this year, they want to get everything situated because you have Seattle coming in in June. And you have to get a season in, you have to get your playoffs in, and then you have to allow for Seattle to do the expansion draft before you do the draft and do your free agency. So you need to get everything in. And I think the NHL is starting to realize, hey, we got to get this done so we can move on. Either you get the season done or you don't have a season at all. And what I've heard is February 1st, 42-game season, and, you know, whatever markets can allow fans will allow them to an extent, and the ones that can't just can't. And you'll have to be be able to take take your lumps where you take them. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a situation where 
Like I said, I think they want all their cards on the table and everything ready to go for that season, the 21-22 season. And that's what they're aiming for. And I mean, okay, fine, that's, that's great and dandy. we got to figure out how to get this season done. I mean, I like what we've done here on the East Coast. And, you know, I'm sure when the NHL gets to back up and running for different cities, there may be a few phone calls into the rink to see, or into the Scotiabank Centre to see what, what's worked and what's going on. I know they have their own staff and their own people, but, you know, to actually have it physically in place and working, you know, you want to see a working model of how you filter fans in and out of concession area, you know, in and out of a bathroom, what sections work, how did you get people in the building, you can't have a main entrance, you have to have people go dedicated entrances, you know, and, and they've done all that at the Scotiabank Centre, so I think that can be an easy model used, and I mean, nobody wants to go into the bubble, and I don't think NHL players will go for it, so... What do you do? You now have to learn how to take safety and start learning to live with the COVID realities and live with the fact that this is not going away anytime soon and learn to take the precautions. And you mentioned, you know, baseball and the NFL and things like that, traveling around and doing it. Um, You know, you see games and things postponed. I think that's the risk you take. And, you know, NHL teams have the, some of the top doctors and the best healthcare and the best access to things. So, these athletes will be well taken care of if they do contract the virus. And I look at a guy like Austin Matthews, apparently had COVID-19, was asymptomatic. You know, I didn't see any difference at Austin during the uh, the playoff play-in bubble. I mean, maybe there was and we didn't know about it. But, you know, you look at all the NBA players who've had it or the NFL players, they've all come back. I mean, and some come back pretty quick. So I guess if you can produce a negative test, that's the way to go. But... I hope for us, anyway, John, they keep our bubble to where it is for a little while longer. Oh, oh, oh yeah, it's going to be a situation where I, I, I don't think there's, a, especially with the numbers currently coming out of Quebec, uh, that you're going to see uh, much variation in the Atlantic bubble for a while. Uh, I, I, but I, I do hope there that, that uh, as we keep, keep going through whatever this COVID reality is for us, uh, that we'll be able to, to keep adaptive for the situation at the time and then hopefully uh, just keep everybody safe because that's the important thing if, if we're able to keep people safe and uh, 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 find ways to support everyone as we go through like uh, 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 being the music guy that, that I am I'll quote a, a high, 
the, one of the lyrics from a high school musical of we're all in this together. Because in the end, we're going to have to work together to get through a crazy time like this. And I think that so far we've been doing really well with it. And hopefully we can be a leader for the whole world there as to what an example is for coming back from COVID-19 and being even better in the long run. 100%. I mean, I don't know. John, I just want the world to come back to normal somehow you know what i mean and everybody's looking for that end date and everybody's looking for the vaccine everybody's looking for everything i think at the end of the day we need to just learn that this is the the way things are going to be you know you wear a mask wash your hands which you should be doing anyways it seems to be this big thing for a lot of people but i don't know about you but i frequently wash my hands anyways um but you see so many people saying oh i've never had to wash my hands so many times in my life and it begs the question you know what are you doing with your hands all day if you haven't washed them? <laughs> I just want to know where your hands have been. You know what I mean? So you start looking at oh, yeah. that, but, you know, and then sanitizers and things like that. But, I mean, if if you're doing your own due diligence and you're taking care of yourself and you're making sure that you cross all your T's and dot your I's, then you're in a less likely chance to catch it. And out here in the East Coast, we're pretty lucky. But even when the cases were high, everybody was trying to do their part and you're right, we are all in this together, and we do have to face this as one, not as, you know, separate entities trying to figure it out. And I think here in Canada, we kind of got the grasp of it. Um, we might have let it go a little bit, you know, thinking the numbers were going down. Hey, we're we're in the clear, and, you know, you see that in Ontario, and you see that in Quebec and out west. But, you know, I think they'll get the handle back on it again, and, you know we were right by doing the lockdown kind of stuff and that helped and that helped us to be where we are today being able to sit down today and talk about the mooseheads being able to talk about the nhl season possibly coming up and you know talk about players on the ice and you know get to call games and be a part of an actual organization that's running so i like what we've done on the east coast john and i I cannot wait to uh listen to you spin some more tunes for the mooseheads my friend Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about everything, and of course, just simply that that we're even able to come back and play in front of fans. And of course, you never know; we could be in a situation where, as we go go along, gathering restrictions may change within the bubble, and who knows? Maybe there could be even more fans allowed inside Scotiabank Center within reason. You never know. We're in a situation where this COVID reality is. It happened to be very flexible and uh, restrictions change and everything and who, who knows that's just it right i mean i don't know i hope everything keeps opening up here and i think that's the wise plan as long as new brunswick can keep their caseload down which it looks like they're doing i think the atlantic bubble should be more open and should open more and more but um you know what they're doing it in baby steps and you gotta laud them for that they're not rushing anything, and it seems to be paying dividends. So we'll uh, we'll enjoy what we have because a lot of people have a whole lot less in the, the hockey world right now. And like I said before we jumped on, there's a lot of fear and missing out on hockey right now. And, you know, out here in the East Coast, we're getting our, our full plates full, so we'll keep enjoying it. Oh, absolutely. Well, John, I want to thank you as always for jumping on with me and talking a little shop. And like I said, I look forward to hearing you down at the Mooseheads games and give everybody a little bit of taste of, um, you know, where they can find you and where they can listen to things and everything you got going on in the community. Uh, uh, well, I guess uh, they can follow me there on uh, on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at John Seitman, and I uh, uh, just uh, I keep uh, watching out for everything, and uh, I'll uh, always be. Uh, spins and tunes at the uh, Cole Harbor place there with 
the Auburn Eagles, and of course at Scotiabank Center with your Halifax Mooseheads, and hopefully we'll just uh, keep rocking the ranks for whoever is able to show up, and whether it be in person or in whatever live, live stream or broadcast that, that it comes to the ranks that I'm working there, and who knows, I'm just enjoying simply being back. That's it, 100%. I mean, it, it's great. And I said this to you at the beginning of the year, you know, when we talked, when it was cold out, and it's funny, it's cold again. Um, you know, it's great that COVID kind of happened in one respect because it opened the doors for a lot more people to have these kind of conversations. So, you know, that's the only good thing to come from COVID. I think it did allow people to open up and, and see what's in their community and talk to different people and get involved in different things. So, John, tip of the cap to you for everything you do in the community. Tip of the cap for the lawn bowling. And, of course, tip of the cap for spinning the uh, music for the Auburn Eagles and the Halifax Moose, as my friend. Can't wait to talk again later on. No, no worries. Thanks for having me on there, James. All right. All the best, my friend. Have a great day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was John Seitman. You heard it there. He's spinning the ones and twos for the Halifax Mooseheads, your Auburn Eagles, and, of course, in the community, a serious lawn bowler as well. Be sure to follow John Seitman. Check everything out that he puts out, ladies and gentlemen. All right, that's Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk. 